The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. Hi, I'm Brooke. For those of you that I haven't met, um, I'm on staff with Young Life to do Young Life College at UW. So I work very closely with the Inn doing college ministry. So that's why I get to be here tonight. Yay! <laughs> so. Um, I've talked with the Inn a couple of times, and if you've ever heard me talk, you've probably heard me mention that I grew up doing figure skating. So I'm going to tell a little story about that real quick, and then it'll come into play later. But um, I did it for 13 years competitively, and it was awesome. I loved it. If I could live life and do it again, I would. Um, There's definitely some drawbacks. Like, it was really hard um, just with injuries, and like competitions were hard, training, blah, blah. But it was also so good, and one of the best parts, one of those joyous memories for me was my coach. He was a Frenchman by the name of Xavier Vadou. <laughs> I loved Xavier, <laughs> but I called him Xavier because that was the American way to say it. So, <laughs> um, I first started training with Xavier, and for like first month, could not understand him. Just his accent, his dialect. When he said something, he meant something else. Half the time, when he was saying. Brooke, Brooke, I thought he was saying Luke, like look, and so I'd be like, <laughs> skating around me like, what am I supposed to look at? Like, I don't understand why you're yelling at me to look, but he'd be like, come over here, what are you doing? And so, but once I like trained with him and I got to understand his voice and like hear him, I could understand what he meant and the things he was saying and understanding them, but as I said earlier, there are some drawbacks. A huge drawback for me, something that just like made my skin crawl, wasn't like learning spins, learning jumps, learning things. Like those were, were all hard, don't get me wrong. It was doing something called double run-throughs. So it's like self-explanatory. You have to do your program with everything in it, but then immediately do it again. It's like to build endurance. And I hated it. <laughs> I would do anything I could to get, like wiggle my way out of it, where I'd be like, oh no, I have a blister. Like I can't, sorry, I can't. And Xavier would just like roll his eyes, or I'd be like, oh, I have a cold, so like my respiratory, I just, <laughs> it's not good for me. <laughs> or I'd just like, I'd make up so many stupid excuses and he would just tell me how important it was that I did this. And he would stress it and I would ignore it and just do whatever I wanted to do because I would practice the stuff I was good at and like, <laughs> have fun. But <laughs> he was there being like, you need to do this. I've taught other people how to do it. I've done it, you need to do it. And I just ignored it. And it showed. When I went to competitions, I was tired. My legs were all like shaky at the end, and I couldn't get through the program. I'd like fall <laughs> really hard at the end. <laughs> and so, but then he'd, I'd come back to training, and he'd be like, You didn't listen to me. But then I would keep not listening. It was just a dumb cycle. But looking back, I see that listening to Xavier would have made me better. Like, I guarantee you, I would have been able to do better in competitions. Um, but I wanted to take the easy route. I didn't want to do the things that were hard, that like took practice. I just wanted to skip over that and get to the end result. Um, and so the point is, is that I think we all get advice in our lives, whether it's from teachers, coaches, parents, friends, mentors. Like we all have people giving us direction. Um, and tonight we're going to hear advice from Jesus and kind of the warnings that He gives us and the advice that He gives us, and sort of what we do with that. Like, yeah, how we how we take note of that, how we listen to that. Um, but before we start getting into that, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get started. Okay, great. So if you could all bow your heads with me. Um, 
Jesus, I thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you just for each and every person in this room and the opportunity that I get to be here. I just pray for us tonight that you would still our rushed minds and our worried hearts and just whatever we came in here with, um, that you would calm us, speak to us each individually, that your truth would be revealed. Um, I pray that you would calm my nerves and use me as your mouthpiece. And I just pray that you are glorified tonight, Father. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Great. So, scripture we're going to be reading from tonight is at the end of Matthew. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you are new to the inn, um, or new to the summer inn, or just maybe forgotten, we're going through that. And a brief summary on the Sermon on the Mount is like it's just from Jesus to us about how to live life. Like he talks about... Um, a life that's dedicated and pleasing to God and how to do that and ways to be free of hypocrisy and how to do that. So it's just from Jesus to us about how to live life. And what's particularly interesting about it is that it starts with blessings and it ends with warnings. And that can seem very backwards in our culture because I feel like we we love to, if like, we start with the negatives if we even have to address it. Like, if we even have to go there, we'll start with that, but then we'll end with the blessings because that's, like, happy, and that feels like we're tying a bow on it and kind of sending it off. Or we do the compliment sandwich of, like, this was good, work on this, and this was also good, and then, like, (laughs) feel good about it. But Jesus does the opposite, where he starts with the blessings and ends with the warnings. And so if you haven't gotten the gist yet, I'm talking about the warnings part of (laughs) the Sermon on the Mount, but... Um, within each warning is the invitation from Jesus about how to live life. And because with each warning, there's an opportunity for us to draw closer to Jesus. And so, with that, let's read Matthew 7, 15 through 27. There's kind of a lot of it, but don't worry. Don't you worry. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NLT. If you all have something different, feel free to read along. But it'll be up here. So, Matthew 7, 15 through 27 says... Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So that's a lot. (laughs) And the way my brain works is going through each one kind of in chunks and then looking at overall. So... Don't be alarmed. We will go through it piece by piece. So first, we'll bring it back to the top, talking about fruit. Um, So Jesus talks about bad fruit, good fruit, like bad tree can't have good fruit, la, 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 vice versa. And on the surface, seems very self-explanatory. We can all like nod our heads that a good tree won't produce bad fruit. 
Um, but what is the warning here? It says at the top, beware of false prophets or teachers who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. So specifically in this text, the warning for us as believers is to be on guard or aware of the teachings that we're listening to. Um, to be paying attention to what people are saying and what they're saying about Jesus and if it aligns with what we read about Jesus and what we know about him and his character and to be aware of wolves dressed like sheep. Um, things that may look good on surface, but what is that person really all about? They're teaching all about, is it Jesus? Um, is it the gospel at all? Is it Christ without judgment? Is it human or just divine? Or like all those kind of questions that come in that seem very theological, but the warning is to be on guard against false teachers, but in order to identify something as false, you have to know the truth. Um, and how do we know the truth? Is that we spend time in it, we spend time with it, we spend time seeking it. Um, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Um, so the invitation within this is to know Jesus. When you know Jesus, you know his character, you know his words, you know his personality, you know about him, the ways that he works, and it makes it all the more easy to identify when something is false. And so, again, the warning we see is to beware of false teaching, teaching, <laughs> and the invitation within that is to know Jesus. Um, and just as an aside, so this is like a little rabbit trail on this journey, <laughs> is when I first read this text, I thought very introspectively of, I read it and I was like, good tree, like good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit, like how would I be identified? was kind of my first line of thought. Um, and especially in verse 20 when it says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions, um, which caused me to think about how I would be identified. And I think in, in college, but also out of college, and I imagine just in life, um, we can be one way in a certain scenario and another way in a different scenario. Are you guys tracking of like, I can be one way with my family, like when I was in college, one way with my family, one way with my core group, one way with my sorority, and just having kind of different fruits of my life that maybe appeared different to different groups. And so as I read this, like I think the warning is for us to be on guard against teaching, but with the invitation to know truth, it's also to know truth in our own lives and to know truth of how we're bearing fruit. But that is, again, just an aside from <laughs> the track that we're on. Okay, so that was kind of the first chunk. And then going into the second bulk of it, it says there's two types of people. Um, Jesus references those who come to him professing his name, but implied in that is that there's a different people that come to him in a different way. And so the warning we see in the bulk of this section is to be aware of our motivations and our heart before the Lord. Um, not everyone who calls out to me will enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who actually do the will of my Father. Um, what's interesting here is that as you read on, like, these believers did awesome things. They did, like, they cast out demons, they prophesied, and they, like, had many, many miracles, and for there's no reason that we shouldn't believe that they did that. Like, we can believe that they did those things and that they were really awesome, like, really cool people, and I would say, like, those must be really good Christians if they're doing all those things. But then Jesus says to them, he says, get away from me. And in other versions of the scripture, he says, get out of my face. 
which seems very aggressive, but like, what is, my question is, what's the deal with that? Like, there's a bunch of believers doing what seems like really great things and what they believe Jesus' name, and he says to get away from me, to get out of my face. Um, in a commentary by Dale Bruner, he says, we learn at least that it is possible to work for Jesus and yet not live under him. We can be intoxicated by the power of Jesus and yet be hostile to his hard commands. And what I think this means is that it's possible to do like glamorous things for Jesus, like spectacular and pretty things for him, but yet when he wants to come into our lives, we kind of give him the stiff arm of, don't mess with me. I'm going to keep doing all these things on the surface, but I'm good. Like, you, don't need to, you don't need to come mess with this. <laughs> so, um, like, which one do you think Jesus cares more about in those two scenarios? He cares about you, and he's invested in you. And with this group who comes to him saying, like, Lord, Lord, look at all this stuff. Look at all these cool things. Like, what does Jesus say before he says, get away from me? He says, I never knew you. Um, what I think this shows is that they, they believed that they knew Jesus. And if you, like, reference the first chunk that we just talked about, they took the time to get to know Jesus. They got to know his character, who he was. They did things for him. But apparently, they never gave him a chance to know them. Um, they never gave him a chance to come into their personal life and to make a difference there. And that's the invitation in the second piece, is to be known by Jesus. So when it comes to what we do for Jesus, is we let him in. We let him into our personal lives, to our mess, because that's what he cares about. That's what he's invested in. And it shows in this second chunk, is like, that's what he is concerned about, is us. He wants to be with us. He cares more about our hearts than like the showy things that we do. And those things are good and like, he can use us to do those things, but what matters more is our personal relationship and the depth of that. So it counts as knowing Jesus and being known by him. And those are the invitations that we have so far. So, quick summary. is <laughs> that warning against false teaching and an invitation to know Jesus, warning against false motives, and an invitation to be known by Jesus. So we, we have... That's so far, and then we come to this last chunk about the two houses, like kind of the culmination of what we've talked about. You read and you hear these warnings, but what do you do with it? Like, why does all of it matter? What are you going to do by hearing all of that? It says that the wise builder listens to my teaching and follows it. And is like a person who builds a house on rock. But then also says that the foolish builder is anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it like a person who builds their house on the sand. Both of these people are hearing God's word. And so we can't be fooled to think that simply hearing his word is what matters, or that's enough. It's just because you show up here, just because you show up at core group, or show up at church, or show up at things. Like, Jesus wants us to not just hear his words, but listen to them and go and do them. Um, God's will is that Jesus' words be heard in such a way that they are done and that they impact our lives and that we build on that and not just hear it as like empty receptacles that just absorb it and then carry on. It's what we're doing with what we hear. And so the warning in this last section is to be aware of your foundation. He warns us against hearing his words but ignoring him and the consequences of that. And so going back to the story I told at the beginning about 
skating. Um, imagine yourselves all as athletes with a coach. Um, your coach likes, likely gives you instructions on how to improve because he wants to make you better, because he's invested in you and like cares. Um, they share wisdom, they share encouragement, they also share warnings. And imagine if you never listened to anything that they said. Kind of like I didn't listen to when my coach was like, you need to do this. And I was like, no I don't. <laughs> I'm gonna do it my way. Um, like what if you didn't incorporate what they taught you into your sport, the way you were developing your skills? Well, you'd likely you'd show up and You'd show up to practice and you'd, for all intensive purposes, look like an athlete. You could have all the clothes, you could have the Nike symbol, you could know all your teammates' names, you could be a part of the team, you could be, know all the chants, know all the songs. But then when it came time for like the big race, the big competition, or like the big game, you wouldn't be able to do it. It would, because you hadn't practiced, you hadn't put in the time that it takes to develop that skill, you hadn't listened or you'd heard the instructions but not listened to them and done them. Do you guys see the difference there between that? Um, Jesus is telling us not only hear his words, but listen to them and do them. Before the big storm comes, before the big race, before the big combat, like, to not just hear it, but go and do. And so, if we look at the differences between the two foundations, like, the first house comes with encouragement that it will stand. Like there's been thought put into it. The builder is self-critical enough to know that this is the foundation that they want. And what Jesus doesn't say about this house is that, like, if you choose to build on the rock, you will get a mansion. Or, like, it will one day spontaneously have a view with a pool. Or will, like, have fancy lights. Or anything, like, he doesn't say anything about that. But what he does say about it is that it will stand. And that's what's impressive about it to Jesus. It's not anything spectacular beyond that. It's the fact that it will stand. So if we build our lives on the word of Jesus and like listen and do what he says, we will stand. And that's what's impressive about our lives with Jesus. Not anything beyond that, not the miracles we perform, not the lives that we save or claim to save or whatever. Like those are all good, but what Jesus claims noteworthy enough to warn us about and to tell us about is that what is impressive is that we will stand when the storms come because we know him and he knows us. Um, and then the second house over here is called Foolish. And what happens to it? It says it collapses with a mighty crash. And again, the thing about both houses is that both houses are being built by believers who hear God's words. But this house over here sees Jesus' words as important enough to come in here, but not realistic enough to do anything with. And so the words are heard, but they're not done. And when trouble happens, which it will, there's no foundation for that house, and it just crumbles. And then, yeah, it just crumbles. Um, storms will come if they haven't already, and it's how you're prepared for it. You have to build a foundation before a storm comes. If you look at, like, workers, construction workers, they lay concrete when it's nice out. They don't do it when it's raining. Come on. Um, they do it before a storm hits, and they do it in nice weather. And the thing about nice weather is that it doesn't tell us much about ourselves. Like, we can all build a house when the sun is shining, when it's dry, when there's no wind. Like, we could, I'm confident we could all do that and build something that stands. But it's in the storms where the strength of the foundation is revealed. 
And when you build on the rock, you have to expect that storms will happen, but you can also expect for the glory of the Lord to be revealed there in you and through you as you stand to the world around you. That's what you can expect. Um, it's what he wants us to do. He wants us to build on that foundation. Um, we're, all building, we're all building a hypothetical house. We're building lives, careers. Like you're all in college, so you're building your resume, your communities. You're building your identity as you're like away from your family and kind of on your own. So we all build a house on some foundation. We all believe that something is true enough and stable enough. And Jesus' invitation in this last piece is for us to believe that his words are the most stable foundation in the entire world to build a foundation on. And the invitation is to be a doer of his words and not just a hearer. Not just listen and nod your heads, but invite the Lord into your heart and your soul and the way that you're living your life. So prompting question you've all been waiting for is what is your foundation? <laughs> um, if it's built on the rock, keep building and continue that. Continue to seek to know Jesus and have him know you and to be a doer of that. To have him in the mundane and the normal of your everyday life and to live that out. And if you're building on the sand and you can feel it sinking, like build on the rock. That's what Jesus calls us to. And scripture says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and nothing can shake us from the solid ground. So why would we not build on that? Nothing can shake us from the solid ground. Just as I talked about at the beginning, Jesus' last like, illustration on Sermon of the Mount went from blessings to warnings. And now, I'm a huge encouragement person. Like I love hearing it and I love giving it and I love reading about it. I just love it. But... <laughs> This, so this makes this hard for me because it doesn't really feel like a happy ending or like a, you go get them. It ends with the words, collapse with a mighty crash, which is very like, womp, womp. It's not, it's just like, it's not, it's not happy. It's not a happy send-off. But to ignore Jesus' words, he warns, is the same as intentionally choosing to do an awful thing. It's detrimental to our own lives to choose to build on the sand. And that's why I think he ends with it. Like, believers need the warnings of Scripture just as much as the blessings. Um, we need to hear Jesus in all of his words for the warnings and the promises. Because in both the blessings and the warnings is when we're prompted to draw closer to Jesus. Um, it's in the lament and the joy that we're both prompted to draw closer to Jesus. It's in the mundane and the spectacular. Jesus is in all of it, and all of it matters. So warnings are not just for other people, but they're even more especially for us as a community of believers to be aware and to be prompted to draw closer to Jesus in that as he has teachings for us and cares about us enough to tell us. He cares about us so much that he's telling us how to live life and why it matters. So similarly, that's how we're going to end tonight, um, with warnings against false, false teachings. The warnings we see are warnings against false teachings, against wrong motives, and against ignorance of his words. But then the invitations within each of that are to know Jesus, to be known by Jesus, and to listen to his words. Because when we seek to know Jesus, to understand his truth and why it matters against the false, we're then prompted to live for Jesus and have him know us and come into personal contact with us 
because he cares and he loves us and he wants to be invested in us over the things that we do for him, over the ways that we provide for him or show things to him. Regardless of any of it, he wants to be with us, walking life and continuing to do his will, continuing to live out his promises and his glory to the rest of the world, building our life on the rock where we will stand when storms come. And so all that kind of connects in a way of knowing Jesus, having him know you, and wanting to continue to go and do that and not just let those two truths sit unused. Um, so with that, I'm going to pray, and then we will carry on. Um, Jesus, we love you, and I pray for each of us that we wouldn't just hear these words, but that we would be a community of people who put them into practice that the fruit of our lives would be good because you are the good in us and that we would be determined to get to know you and that we would be open to you coming into our lives. We welcome you to know the depths of us and Jesus, I pray for us to be building a foundation on the rock, the most stable foundation we could fathom. And then when storms come, you would allow us to stand firm. I thank you for how you love us and how you want the best for us. And you care enough about us to tell us what that is. So we love you and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.